I want to open this morning by asking us two questions. I'm going to ask a question, we're going to take a minute of silence, I'm going to ask the second and we'll do the same again. Do you love Jesus? And a second question, do you desire intimacy with Christ? And I want us this morning to reflect on these two questions. We don't have communion this morning, so we're going to spend a bit of time reflecting on this at the end. But I want each of us this morning to search our hearts and to leave this place knowing where we are. And I want to read the passage at the end of John's Gospel, the last chapter, John 21, and reading his encounter with Simon Peter. Jesus has appeared to the disciples. They know that he is resurrected. And we come to this wonderful story on a beach as Jesus is preparing breakfast for them. And they spend time and chat together. And off the back of that, we see this conversation. And it reads from verses 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more Than these. And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him for the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pray. Our God, this morning, would you cause us to reflect into the depths of our heart? God, do we love you? Do we love you? Do we love you? Do we desire to know you more intimately than we could know any other person? Whether it's sibling or spouse, parent or child. Lord, would you give us more of a desire to know you more intimately? Amen. I've been challenged greatly recently in my vulnerability. Both in my heart with Christ, but also with others and I guess a lot of this stems from our young people and their vulnerability as they have shared during our youth services with conversations I have with people and their vulnerability and I find how easy it is for me not to be vulnerable not just in the way I speak but in my heart with Christ it is so easy for me to say do you know what I'm a pastor like I can't I can't give the impression that I have those temptations I can't I need to make it look like I'm polished. I can't admit that I sin and that I can't put myself 
out there. And that attitude is not okay. My greatest internal wrestle is my desire to please people. To say yes to people, to gain their approval. I won't go into the history of that and where it stems from in me because it's painful and it hurts. But that is one of my biggest desires that I would please people and sometimes in place of God. I don't want to let people down. I don't want to disappoint people. So I'm going to fill my time all the time. I'm always going to be busy. I'm always going to be doing stuff and that's going to fill that gap. And I don't share that from some kind of twisted, pious perspective or for pity But for me, I need to ask this question. Do I desire intimacy with Christ more than I desire to fulfill my deepest insecurities? Do I know intimacy well enough that my desire is to know that I have approval in Christ and I do not need approval outside of him? Are we as a people gathered this morning so secure on the work It's so secure in the work of Christ at the cross that we know he has got us. Whatever we face. Are we so filled with the spirit? Are we leading lives that desire to be so intimately close to Christ that our insecurities and everything that goes with that falls under submission to the lordship of Christ? Do we believe this morning That intimacy with Christ can mean that our deepest insecurities, that our biggest regrets, that our sinful desires and our hardest moments. Do we believe that there is more for us than that? Monday to Wednesday this week I was at my pre-accredited Baptist Ministers Conference. Um, There was 20, 30 of us gathered. There was three days full of reflection, sermons, some of them more like lectures. Um, And we just spent time together looking at what was going on across our country. And every day, a pastor would share a reflection. And the reflection on the second day was this question. Do you ever hear something and it just stops you in your tracks? And you think, my goodness, that's just pierced my heart. And I needed that. For me this week, it was this question. Do I desire intimacy with Christ? Do I desire intimacy with him above anything else? I don't want to be complicated this morning. I don't want to go into anything, any semantics, but I just want to stick with the root of this question in this passage. My desire this morning from this is that each of us would leave, stop believing that anything on this earth can bring us the pleasure that intimacy with God can bring us. And that we would be so convinced by that, we would spend our lives striving for him. Some of us come into this place this morning hurting, and your greatest desire is for that pain to be taken away. But I want you this morning to be open to the possibility that a relationship with God can be greater than the taking away of your pain. Some of us come into this place this morning with so many problems. It's been one of those weeks, months, years, 10 years, but it is just problem on problem on problem. And your greatest desire is to fix every problem that you face. 
But would you be open to the possibility this morning that intimacy with Jesus is greater than fixing all of your problems? Some of us come into this place this morning struggling with temptations. We know as we look into the, year, the week ahead that that sin that we love we're just going to dive straight into. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we try to avoid it, how much we try to escape it because we're working on our own. And even though we're sitting here in church, we're already working out how we're going to sin and how we're going to do it this week. And again, I want us to consider the possibility that intimacy with Christ can give us more pleasure than any sin of this world. Some of us come into this place in a wonderful place this morning. 2019 was a year of blessing. It has been a prosperous year. 2020 is here. Things are good. I like the direction my life is in. The Lord is blessing us. But again, I want you to be open to the possibility that intimacy with Christ is greater than the greatest of heights that can be found in this earth. But it's all well and good for me to stand and to say that. To sit and to think, that's all well and good, but how? How? What are we going to do? But I'm convinced that it is our relationship with Jesus that is at the absolute heart of this. But we ask, how is relationship going to fix my hurting? How is a relationship going to get rid of my problems? How is a relationship going to satisfy my sinful desires? Or how is it possible to be even better? How is a relationship going to make my wonderful life even more wonderful? Do you know, I would rather be in the worst place with Victoria than in the best place alone. And in that same way, I would rather be in the trials and the difficulties of this life with Jesus than have all the wealth, have all the health, have all the comfort, but no Jesus. And there is something so great about this relationship that we can have with Jesus that, do you know what, nothing else matters. Everything else pales into insignificance. Do you love me? Verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you? Do you love me? We see here the agape love, the verb of agape, the greatest, the highest expression of love that there is in the New Testament. This spiritual love that is rooted and is grounded in the power of God. Not this love that is like for something superficial, not this love of a brother, but do you love me? Do you love me with everything of your being? I wonder what your answer was to do you love Jesus? Maybe it took you half a second to answer that question. Yes, 37 years ago on the 14th of August, I loved Jesus and I still love Jesus now. Great. But there is so much more of an answer. There is so much more for us to reflect on in this question. Do you love Jesus? Do you know what it is to be in relationship with Jesus right now? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that Jesus saves? And do you know that the Spirit is at work in all of those who believes? 
Simon, son of John, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you love me more than these? It could mean a couple of things. It could mean, do you love me more than your boat, your fishing equipment, your career, everything that surrounds you? Do you love me more than that? But more likely it could mean, do you love me more than your brothers, your disciples that stand beside me? Either one works. Do you love me more than anything? Do you? Do we really? Do we really love Jesus? What priority do we put on Jesus? How committed are we to Jesus? There can be no intimacy with God if we are not committed to him. A relationship doesn't work like that. If we are distant from God, if we are far from God, it's not God's fault. Because God is faithful and God is near And God has accomplished everything so that we might know him. I love Peter's response. You know that I love you. You know it because you're God. You have searched my heart. You know the innermost things of me. You knitted me together. You know that I love you. And Jesus does because Jesus knows all of it. We think of the story of Peter denying Jesus. And Peter saying to Jesus, you know what, you don't really know me. Do you know, no, 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 of course I'm not going to deny you. Of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. And his foolishness to believe that Jesus didn't know the inner workings of his heart. And how he came to him. But here we see Peter and himself growing. In his understanding of God. Because now he gets it. Now he knows Actually, do you know what? Jesus knows everything about me. Jesus knows the inner workings of my heart. A second time, Jesus says again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you know, I remember, I think, back to primary school or on a driving lesson, we'll take the primary school example, and a teacher would say, what's three plus four? And you'd say seven. And your teacher would turn around and say, is it? Or you'd be on a driving lesson, they'd be like, left in 400 yards. I just imagine Robbie doing this and you put the left indicator on, you're ready to go. And they just say, are you sure you want to do that? And even though you know something, this panic just kind of comes over you because all of a sudden everything's been thrown into doubt, even though you're right. I imagine that's maybe where Peter is just now. Jesus says, do you love me? I think that second question, when we're asked the same question twice, we kind of assume that we're wrong. And Jesus asks it again. Same kind of love. Same kind of love that honors God, that is in the power of God more than a brotherly love, more than a superficial love of things. Do you love me? Do you have a longing to serve me? Do you have a longing to honor me, to sacrifice for me? And Simon unwavering says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. We ask the question a second time. We begin to remove the barriers of our hearts, the walls of our hearts that we put up to protect ourselves. 
Because it is painful for us as fallen people to ask ourselves some of these questions in the innermost parts of our heart. Do you love Jesus? Do you long for Jesus more than anything else? And a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This time Peter's annoyed. This time he is grieved. Are you sure three plus four is seven? Yeah, stop asking. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Peter, yes, I am sure. He was grieved at this third time of asking. And he responds this time, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He ups the stakes a little bit. You know that I love you. But actually, you know everything. Absolutely everything that there is to know. And you know that I love you. Here we see him putting Jesus in his rightful place. Jesus knows Everything. No other person knows everything. This is Peter acknowledging Jesus as who he is. The son of man, the son of God. Because he knows everything. Do you love Jesus? Is your love of Christ not just something that is inferior in words. But is it something that is there to see for all. Jesus' response to these three questions weren't wonderful. That's great. I'm delighted that you love me. Well done, brother. That's fantastic. But he wants Peter's faith to be evidenced in his life. Do you love Jesus? Not just in your words, but in the depths of your heart. Do you know that he is king? Do you love Jesus and do you yearn for more of him? Do you desire to see his power outworked in your life for his glory? Do you long to see an end to your pain and your hurt and your temptation and pride and everything else that is in us? Not because it's disappeared, because it won't, but because we are so intimately in love with God that our focus and everything else in life is secondary because we are so focused on Jesus. Do you long to be so filled with the spirit of Christ and growing intimately every day that every day is a joy? That every situation brings peace because we are so secure in Christ no matter what these things might be. And I love that as we gather together this morning we do so as a people of God. So I want to change this question and ask do we desire intimacy with Christ? We are part of a body. We are part of a family. We are together in this. Christianity was never this individualistic thing that was just designed to be done on your own. But do we, as this community of believers here in Hamilton, collectively, do we desire to grow in our intimacy with Christ? Because it is so much easier to progress and it is so much easier to move when we grow in encouragement from one another and to one another. How much easier is it for us to press on with difficulties? To press on with the things that surround us when we are surrounded by genuine love of our brothers and sisters in Christ? 
Let us be a people that desire intimacy with Christ and to love him above all else. But see, for us to answer this question, we need to flip the question. Because we first need to understand why we should do this. And we ask the question, do you know that Jesus loves you? Did you know that nothing, whether it be life or death, angels or rulers, things that are here now, things that will come, powers, depths, heights, nothing in creation, nothing, full stop, can separate us from the love of God in Christ. That is how much Jesus loves you. This is the basis of our intimacy with Christ. Do you know the beauty of this? Is in reality we don't have to do anything. Because he has achieved it. He has made this possible. Our commitment, our call is to devote ourselves to the one who has set us free. The beauty of the gospel is that no matter our mess ups, our sins, our insecurities, our failings, our temptations and our griefs. We don't have to walk it alone. We can pin it to the cross of Christ. Because that is the good news. That he has done it. It is finished. What more of an attractive offer can there be? You don't have to walk alone. It doesn't matter the failings of your parents, of your siblings, of your friends, of your colleagues, of your spouse. It doesn't matter the things that surround you because Jesus is greater than that. We must stop trying to follow Jesus ourselves. We must stop seeing prayer and our reading of the Bible as a chore. And we must view it as an expression of our devotion to the God who saves us. Do you know, Jesus made the way so that we might know God, but not just so that we can know him, but so that we can know him more intimately than we can ever know our spouse, than we can ever know our siblings, our children, our parents, our best friends. Jesus gives this call to Simon Peter of what he has to do to tend his flock and look after his sheep. This call is, is for him. He is called to go and be an under-shepherd. But I want to focus on the, the last words in verse 19. I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. And Jesus' response to him is, follow me. Simon Peter, if you love me, do as I tell you and follow me. Follow Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus isn't two-dimensional. It's not a case of the day we are saved. Woohoo, I'm in. Let's batten down the hatches. The world is evil. Let's just get in the boat and wait. But it is embarking on this lifelong adventure that is full of ups and downs. But it is an adventure where we are always constantly growing closer and closer to the one that we are following. It is a relationship in which we are always growing, that we are always moving. moving. There is nothing, there should be nothing stagnant about our walk with Jesus. Do you know, I'm struck. I've been studying the book of Genesis in January. I've been struck by the story of Joseph. I love reading passages that you read frequently and something just hits you. But, you know, he's been sold into slavery and this famine has come and his brothers come desperate for food. 
And here are these brothers that Joseph and all his right has to hate because of the way that they have treated him. The world would say to Joseph, go kill your brothers, man. You've got all the power. You've got everything. Look at the way they've betrayed you. Look at the way they've treated you. Just go and do away with them. Avenge them. But we read those words of Genesis 45 verse 5. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. That is the response of a man that knows his God. That is the response of a man that is able to look wider and see God, not just what is right in front of him. This is a man that understands that, you know what, yes, they have done wrong, but I don't care because God's plans and purposes are bigger. I'm not saying don't care because it's important that we, that we do care. And he's had years to work through all of this. But this is the response of a man that desires to know God. What a remarkable act of forgiveness, of mercy and of grace and of wisdom. Yes, I have struggled and you are wrong. But you know what? God's brought me through this for his glory. What an incredible story. Do you know, trust must be at the heart of intimacy. We can't have intimacy in our human relationships if we don't trust the person. Trust God and know that he is trustworthy. Know that he is trustworthy. And you know, we often talk in, in terms of spatial, we talk of the nearness of God or the distance of God. Not obviously in his actual proximity to us, but in our experience of intimacy with him. We can highlight points in our lives that, yeah, I was close to God at this point, and I was distant from God at this point. And so often that is down to a disruption in our trust. It is easy for us to trust in God when we are surrounded by believers, when we go to conferences, when we are surrounded in great moments, when we have wonderful encounters with the Lord. That is easy. But then we feel we become more distant. We want to know that intimacy with God. Always. Psalm 73. For me it is good. To be near God. It was good for the psalmist. And it is good. For us. James 4 verse 8. Draw near to God. And he will draw near. To you. The last point I want to make in this is intimacy is more than knowledge. We don't become intimate with God by just filling our head with stuff. I think that's one of the mistakes we make. That in our relationship and our nearness to God, that it can be achieved through knowledge accumulation. Of course, to know God intimately, we must know the crucial things of God, the things that God has revealed of himself to us. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he pointed out that there were many before him that worshipped him that didn't know him. But you know, never in the history of the Christian church have we had so many resources available to us. Never have we had such an abundance of books, of songs, of things surrounding us, of Bible translations, of articles, of blogs, of everything else, of films, of all of these things. So why are we not overflowing with people that walk 
in this profoundly intimate way with God. Because it's not about knowledge. It's about trust. Do you know, Jesus speaks to the religious leaders, these guys that are literally encyclopedias of the Bible, that could know of their scriptures, that would know everything. John 5, you search the scriptures because you think that you are in me, uh, that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Do you know, Psalm 19 tells us that biblical knowledge is far better than gold, and it fuels our trust in God. But it must fuel our trust in God. It must never just be knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Do you know that God is trustworthy? Do you know? Do you know that he is worthy? Jesus gave us the way to intimacy with God. To a close and personal and deep relationship, an unwavering relationship with God. And the beauty of it is, is that he accomplished all of it on the cross. That it is finished because he has done it and all he requires of us is to believe in him. And our belief in him, that trust in him must fuel our desire to know him more and more. The wonderful thing of the gospel is it is an invitation that is open to all who would become and believe. It is not for a select few, but it's for those who will come and believe. Do you know, the Bible is packed with incredible people that walk intimately with their God. Let us be those people. If you need to talk to someone, talk. If you need to walk through, if you need to study together, we should all be studying the world. But if we are serious about knowing our God more intimately, it takes effort from us. But let us be those people. Let us be a church that is awash with people, oaks of righteousness, of people that know the word, but greater than that, know intimacy with God. 